The previous Mishnah taught that if somebody becomes a Ptzuadaka or a Chrus Shofcha and has relations with his wife, she is forbidden to eat Truma from then onwards since she becomes a Zaina, meaning it is forbidden to have relations with a Ptzuadaka or a Chrus Shofcha. The Torah says that they cannot have relations with somebody within the community of Hashem, meaning somebody who is naturally Jewish, a regular Jew, as we'll see in the second half of this Mishnah. But the point is, if he develops such an injury that turns him into a Ptzuadaka or a Chroshofcha, although he himself is still considered to be a Jew, and if he's a Koyen, he can continue eating Truma, it is forbidden to have relations with him. So if he has relations with his wife, then his wife would become a Zona, in which case she would be forbidden from eating Truma. Asks the Mishnah, Ezo Ptzuadaka, what is considered to be a Ptzuadaka? Anybody whose part of their male organ was crushed, even one part of the male organ, that is the injury which the Torah is talking about, which forbids one from having relations with a regular Jewish female. What about a chrus shafcha? That is anybody whose male organ itself has been cut. But says the Mishnah, if a part of the top part of the male organ even if the amount which is remaining is only as thick as a hairbreadth, as long as there is remaining some part of the top of the male organ, he is not considered a Khrushchevcha and kosher, he is valid and he is able to continue having relations with a regular Jew. Now, Ptuldak and Khrushchevcha are not able to have children. The injury prevents them from being able to have children. And the Mish tells us now that One who has such an injury is permitted to marry a convert or a woman who was a non-Jewish slave and was then freed. Upon being freed, she automatically converts to become Jewish. They are only forbidden from entering into the main community of the Jewish people. Shanema, as the Apostolic says, that a Ptzuadaka and a Khrushchevcha cannot come into the congregation of Hashem, and that refers to somebody who is naturally Jewish, and if they are still allowed to marry a convert. Mishnah Gimel, this Mishnah discusses a couple more examples of people which the Torah limits who they may marry, and the first category is Amoni Omoyovi, one who comes from the nation of Amoin or Moyov, even once they are converted to become Jewish, Asurim, they are forbidden to marry a Jewish woman. The Surinus in Olam and their prohibition lasts forever, meaning all their descendants are also forbidden. The Torah explicitly says, Le'yovoi Ammonium Ovi Bikal Hashem, the one who comes from the nations of Amunumoyov, may not marry into the congregation of Hashem, Gamdur Asiri Le'yovelohem, Bikal Hashem Ad Olam, even up till the 10th generation, they cannot enter into the congregation of Hashem forever. The 10th generation doesn't literally mean number 10, it means forever. Avol, however, says the Mishnah, Female members of Amunumayov, once they have converted to become Jewish, they may marry a regular Jew. They are not limited to a convert. They can marry any Jew, as long as he's not a Koyain. The reason being that the Torah says that an Amuni Umayovi cannot marry into the congregation. It is talking about a male m- member of Amunumayov. 
And as well as that, the reason which the Torah gives that one cannot marry into that nation, even once they have converted, is because when the Jewish people were passing by their land in the Midbar, they refused to give them food or drink. And the Torah says, because you didn't come out with food and drink for the Jewish people, it is therefore forbidden for us to marry you. Now, it is not a practice of women to come out with food and drink to give to the other nation. It is considered improper for the woman to do that. Certainly back then, it would be the men who would do that, and therefore, the entire reason for the prohibition is really only applicable to the men, and therefore a female member can marry into the Jewish people. Next category, Mitzvah Adoimi, one who comes from the nation of Egypt, or Edoim, they are only forbidden for up to three generations after they have converted. So the convert himself may not marry into the Jewish people, his son can't either, but his grandson, his grandchildren, they can marry into the Jewish people. The Torah says so explicitly. However, in this case, it applies to both male and female members of the nation. The reason which we explained by Amin and is not applicable by a Mitzri or an Edoimi. Nevertheless, Rabbi Shimon matters and Kevis Miyad. Rabbi Shimon permits the female members to marry into the Jewish nation immediately. A female Egyptian who converts, according to Rabbi Shimon, is allowed to marry a regular Jew. Why is that? Um, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon said, It's a matter of all the more so. If in a case where the Torah forbade the male members forever, that's referring to an, a member of Amun Umayyav, the Torah permitted the female members to marry into the nation immediately. In a case where the Torah only forbade the male members for only three generations, in a din and all the more so, should we not permit the female members immediately? If you're telling us a definitive halacha that you received as a tradition from your teachers, then the kabbal then will ex- then will accept it. However, vimadin, but if this is just the kavachaymer, if it's an argument which you are making now yourself, then yesh teshuva, there is a very simple answer. Because as we explained, the entire reason for the prohibition with regards to Amun and is because they didn't come out with food for us. So the prohibition is irrelevant to female members. However, when it comes to the Mitzrian and Edomi, the Torah didn't give the reason for the prohibition. And therefore we assume that the prohibition applies to all members, and therefore the female members would also be forbidden until three generations later. Amalahem, Rabbi Shimon said back to the Chachamim, Loichi, that is not the case that I am making this argument up myself. Rather, halachani oimer, I am saying the, the law which I have received as a tradition from my Rebbeim. Perhaps they didn't say this argument, but the law itself they did say, and therefore you should accept it. Alright, now the Mishnah goes on to a third category of people, Mamzerin, one who was born f- as a result of an illegal marriage, and we saw at the end of the fourth parak, which illegal marriages warrant a child who is a Mamzer, alright, on a Sinin, and a Nosin, who is somebody who is descendant from the Givonim, who tricked Yeshua and the Jewish people into allowing them to convert. The Givonim are one of the seven nations of Eretz Canaan, of Eretz Israel, which we were commanded to wipe out, but they tricked the Jewish people into allowing them to convert. They pretended they were a different nation. Be as it may, they became the water carriers and the wood choppers for the Jewish people. But just like it's forbidden to marry any of the seven nations of Eretz Canaan, so too it's forbidden to marry them. And the Mishnah says, Asurin ve'asurin Israelom. It is forbidden to marry them and their descendants forever. The Torah says explicitly with regards to a mamzer that all of his descendants are also forbidden. They are all considered to be mamzerim. And the same applies to a nosin. 
There's a discussion as to whether when it comes to a nosin, the prohibition is midraisa or midrabonon. Be as it may, either way, echad zuchom echad nekeves. It applies whether to male members or to female members. And in this case, even Rabbi Shimon's argument would not stand since they are forbidden forever. Mishnah Hay, after a lengthy break of around a couple of prokim now from the focus of the Masechta, this mission is going to connect the first part of this perek with Yibam and Chalitza. The Torah says that when one performs Yibam, that the name of the man who died will not be erased from the Jewish people, and his legacy will continue via this brother. And we learn from there that somebody who was physically not able to have children, that's known as a Soris, if a Soris dies without children, then there is no mitzvah of Yibam Chalitza on his wife, because his name was already erased, as it were because he himself was not able to ever have children and continue his legacy. So we're not going to say that the children which his brother now brings into the world will be called by his name and will continue his legacy. His legacy was never able to be continued. Now the same applies if the Yovom was a Soris. Since the entire point of doing Yibum is to continue the legacy and to have children for the man who died, if you're not able to have children, then there is also no obligation of Yibum upon the Yovam, and because of the rule of Kol She'in O'ilul Yibum, E'in O'ilul Chalitza, there is also no obligation of Chalitza. Now if you think about it, a Petzur Daka and a Kruz Shofcha are not able to have children. So Petzur Daka and Kruz Shofcha are types of Soros. As we are going to see in this Mishnah, Om Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua said, Shomati, I heard from my teachers, from my Rebbe, Shahasoris Chalitz, that if the Yovm is a Soris, then he does do Chalitza, which seems to be against what we just said. Now, he certainly can never do Yibum, because like we saw regarding a Ptzodaka and Khrushchevcha, it is forbidden for a Soris to have relations with a regular Jew. So he can never do Yibum. The question is, is the reason why he can't do Yibum because of what we just explained? In which case there is no obligation of Chalitza either. The whole obligation of Yibum doesn't start. Or is it just because he's not able to have relations? He's forbidden to do that. It's more of a technical problem that he can't do the act of Yibum. But that doesn't affect the Zika itself. And in fact, as we have seen a number of times, Mid-Oraisa, Soros would be able to do Yibum, because Asseidu said the positive mitzvah of Yibum, would override the prohibition of having relations with a Soros, and then he would have to divorce her immediately. But mid in such a case, he cannot do Yibum at all. However, he can do Chalitza, and as well as that, V'cholz and We would also do Chalitza towards his wife, Meaning, if the Soros is the man who died, then his wife would be one who requires Yibim or Chalitza. The truth is, in this case, the Yovim would be able to do Yibim as well, because the Yovim himself is not a Soros. The Mishnah just uses the word Chalitza to fit in with the first part of the Mishnah. However, says Rabbi Yeshua, I also heard that if the Yovim is a Soros, then he cannot do Chalitza, and she is free to marry somebody else without receiving anything. And I heard that if the man who died was a Soros, then his wife does not require Chalitza. So I heard two seemingly opposite things. And it must be that there are two different types of Soros, and only one of them we consider to be a real Soros, such that the mitzvah of Yivam and Chalitza would not apply to him. And the other one is not considered to be a full Soros. The Amy Laforage, but I don't know how to explain this difference. And which are the two categories? Um, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said, Daniya Farish. I will explain. Sris Odom. A Sris Odom who is somebody who became a Soros later on at life. 
He was not born a Saris. So for example, a Ptuadaka and a Khrushchevcha, they are examples of a Saris Adam. That as a result of an injury, they are no longer able to have children. So somebody like that, Chalitz, if that was the Yavam, then he can do Chalitza. He has got that obligation of Chalitza, the Chalitza And the wife of a Saris who died will also receive Chalitza. Or Yibm at that matter. Why? Since he did have a time where he was fit. Since he wasn't born like this, he's not considered to be somebody who intrinsically lacks the ability of having children. He once could have children, just something happened along the way that caused it to be that right now he's not able to have children. But if you think about it, the Gemara actually explains the logic over here. In the last few moments of a man's life, a man is physically, scientifically not able to have children. So it could be argued that everyone who dies is considered to be a serious Adam. He became a Soris very close to his time of death. And yet we see that there is an obligation of Yibum. There is a legacy to continue. And therefore the same applies to a real Soris Adam, who is physically not able to have children if that happened later on in his life. He is still fit for Yibum and Chalitza. Mijabon and wouldn't be able to perform Yibum if the Yavim is the Saurus. Alright, but says the Mishnah, Sris Chama. A Sris Chama who is somebody who is a Saurus from the beginning of his life. He would not do Chalitza if he was the Yavim, and his wife would not do Chalitza either if the man who died was a Saurus. Since he never had a time when he was fit to have children, and therefore he cannot continue a legacy. Rebeliezer says, Loichi. That is not the case, rather it's the exact opposite. Somebody who was a Saurus from the beginning of his life, he is fit for Chalitza and his wife, if the man who died was a Saurus, his wife would be obligated to receive Chalitza before marrying somebody else. Because although he has never been able to have children, the physical facts are such that somebody who is a Saurus from the beginning of his life still has a chance. Because he has a chance of being healed and in the future being able to have children. However, Sris Adam, somebody who developed this later on at life, he cannot do Chalitza and his wife will not do Chalitza because he has no cure. And so from this moment on, he is physically incapable of having children. And so he cannot continue a legacy. However, Rabbi Yishua ben Buseira testified about a person called Ben Megusas. He was in Yerushalayim, and he was a Sris Odom, he became a Soris. He lost the ability to have children halfway through his life. And when he died, they performed Yibam with his wife. So we see that that is the kind of Rabbi Akiva that supports the opinion of Rabbi Akiva that the only Saurus who is not fit for Yibam and Chalitza is a Sris Chama, somebody who is a Saurus from the beginning of his life. Mishnah Hey, just like we said in the previous Mishnah that has Saurus a man who is not able to have children does neither Chalitza nor Yibam, and there was a discussion as to which Saurus we are talking about, but there certainly is somebody who is a Saurus and is not fit for Yibam or Chalitza, so too Vichain Eilonis, the same applies to a woman who is not able to have children. Physically speaking, she would not do chalitza nor yibum if her husband died. The Torah writes explicitly that it has to be somebody who is able to give birth. And again, once we understand the entire purpose of yibum, this is very much understood that the whole mitzvah of yibum is not relevant to an islandess. It follows, therefore, that Hasaurus Shecholetz Levimtai, if a Saurus did perform Chalitza with his Shemeris Yavam, Loi Pesola, he does not invalidate her from marrying a Koyain. In general, a Chalutza may not marry a Koyain, Midrabonon, at least according to most people it's Midrabonon, since she is considered to be similar to a divorcee. 
However, since the Soros is not fit for Chalitza or Yibam at all, the Chalitza which he did is not considered halachically speaking to be Chalitza at all. And therefore she's free to marry anybody, even a Koyen, as we explained. However, Be'olah, if the Soros had relations with her for the sake of Yibam, let's say, for example, let's say he thought that there was an obligation of Yibam, in that case, Pasala, he hasn't validated her from marrying a Koyen, since she is considered to be a Zoyna, a woman who has had illegal relations. Because that is illegal relations. And ends off the mission of a Chayn the same applies to an Islandist, a woman who is not able to have children. If the brothers of her husband, after he died, if they performed Chalitza, then they don't invalidate her from performing, from marrying a Koyen, since the Chalitza is nothing. However, if they had relations with her, for example, for Yibum, they do invalidate her. Since the relations are relations of a zayna, it's, Ill- it's illegal because when there is no obligation of yibum, it is indeed forbidden to perform yibum because that would be marrying one's brother's wife.